Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. The Paperless Platform is a secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based manufacturing system for suppliers that reduces the amount of time spent on sales, estimating, quoting, administration, and order processing. It offers seamless integration with the accounting and ERP software tools that shops already use, such as QuickBooks, E2, and JobBoss. Paperless Parts was founded with a mission to make manufacturing more accessible by streamlining the quote-to-cash process. Spend less time quoting and more time selling. This episode is sponsored by our friends at the NTMA, the National Tooling and Machining Association. The NTMA is an association of privately held, entrepreneurial-based, and family-owned businesses, representing nearly 1,200 small to mid-sized machine shops and tool and die shops across the country. They have approximately 30 very active regional chapters that host local events, run apprenticeship programs, and provide other services to their regional members. As an association of peers, the goal of the NTMA is to help members of the U.S. precision custom manufacturing industry achieve profitable growth and business success in a global economy through networking, workforce development and training, technology, best practices education, advocacy, programs, and services with industry partners. To learn how your company can get involved with the NTMA, including how to join, visit ntma.org. Shazam! This is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. Welcome to 2023. We are in the first week. Jeff Gorman and I sat down to talk about how a shop might plan for 2023. I am definitely a planner. And for me, this is a fantastic time to think about goals and aspirations for the upcoming year. I like to frame this thinking in many different ways, a lot of which we discuss on this episode. For example, if on January 1st, 2024, you are sitting back thinking about reflecting on 2023, what do you want to have happened did happen. Or a different way of looking at it, what would you regret about the year if it didn't happen? Another way of looking at it is, what did you start doing? And just as importantly, what did you stop doing? If you don't stop things, you don't create the space to start, to integrate a new habit or activity. Something's got to give. We have a blank slate in front of us the opportunity to shape both our personal and professional outcomes this year. I hope this conversation gives you some perspectives on ways for you and for your best year ever. So let's roll. Hello, happy 2023, Jeff. What's going on, Jay? Happy 2023. I can't, can't believe we're kicking off another year here. I feel like you know, less than 12 months have gone by since last time I said that, so... Yeah. Well, we are an audio, so the listener can't see the new 
offices that you're in at Paperless Parts. We moved about a half mile away to, we out tripled our space, right? They say on paper it's triple. It feels more like quadruple if, if you ask me. But yeah, we won. You know, I think we were fitting about 50, 60 folks at the old office pretty tightly. Some might say uncomfortably. And now we've got space for, for 150 plus people. So it's definitely a big step up. Yeah. Well, when they were talking hot desks, they literally the, the seat was hot when you, you swapped in and out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, it looks great. And it's going to give Paperless a ton of room to grow and continue to meet the needs and demands of our customers. So very excited for you. Absolutely. So I wanted to really hit 2023 in a bunch of different ways today, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. So we're just kicking 2022 to the curb and it's all talk about 2023. Well, yes and no, because 2023, if you're really going to have a great 2023, you have to understand what happened in 2022. That's your baseline. That's your knowledge base for figuring out how to make 2023 as good as it can be for you and your your company. So one of the things that I don't know if you have ever done a personal financial budget, but let me ask you, have you done that? I wouldn't say down to the penny, Jay, but I probably should. Well, one of the things that we did it rapid all the time. And I, I have to say, personally, I wasn't, I wasn't as on top of it either, but I wanted to know where my expenses were going to be, where my revenue was coming from. And we had a lot of reporting that gave us that information. QuickBooks was the primary financial software that we used. And that was great for the expense side. And the data from the customers was a little more raw than I liked. And I would put that into spreadsheets. But I think what we have now at Paperless, if people are certainly from the quote side, but also if people are putting the orders in, then we can slice and dice the customers and we can look at the categories of sales. We can look at people. We can look at the customers. And what I really tried to do was understand who are my biggest customers, what were the absolute dollars, what were their percentages of sales, and depending how large you are as an organization, you get your salespeople that you go and say, all right, they did half a million dollars with us last year. Is that likely to happen again? And what's your confidence level on that? You may already have orders in hand. You might have your repeat parts that you know you're going to get X amount of dollars. That's if you're a production shop. If you're a prototype shop, Rapid, we had a two-week backlog. We had no idea what was going to happen in June. So we had a sense of direction, but the number of customers... I mean, that's what reporting gives you. The number of new customers, which was a really important number for me. I also tracked how we got customers. And originally I would call all the customers 
first time they placed an order with us, thank them for their business and ask them how they heard about us. And we did a lot of internet marketing and that was probably the biggest bucket, but there was also word of mouth. There are other ways that people hear about you. And if you're going to spend your marketing dollars wisely, then you want to understand how people are hearing about you. So all these different things uh, I'm talking about at the end of the year, but you want to be collecting this data as the year goes on and give an example reporting I knew when our new customers went below a certain percentage that we were going to, in probably around two months, slow down. And the lack of new customers was the canary in the coal mine that a slowdown was coming. So this is a way that you use reporting, not so much in planning for the new year, but looking in the rearview mirror helps you look out the windshield. It's what gives you confidence that what you are seeing actually is sort of reality. That was a little, little long-winded. What are you hearing from customers about reporting and planning? Well, well I guess maybe it was long-winded, but you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I've been, I've been meeting with a lot of shops. You know, We have quarterly or year-end kind of syncs and reviews and, and things of that nature. So having a different type of meeting with shops towards the end of the year, you know, asking them how it went this past year, obviously digging in a little bit more than that, and then mm-hmm. trying to, to pry at any goals, initiatives that might be going on in the shop for the upcoming year. And at the end of the day, these conversations always boil down to some form of reporting, whether it be putting mm-hmm. reporting in place to track towards the 2023 goal, or whether it be running reports so that we can establish those goals a little bit more effectively. So Things just like you said, you know, who are all my new customers this year? Some shops want to understand if they've lost customers. So they want to see, you know, maybe who, who quoting at volume over time for each of their big accounts and things of that nature. They want to see sort of the spread of revenue throughout their customer base. They want to make sure that, you know, you're not hyper-focused on, on hyper-reliant mm-hmm. on one customer and uh, the other way around that you're getting new customers as well. Like you said, obviously that, you know, every shop has different goals. So it might, you know, some shops might not care about new customers, although I would, I'd say they should, but that that's just the case. Every shop's different. Yeah. Like you said, you were, so you mentioned that you're wrangling this data into spreadsheets and you think we have an easier way for it now. Like what, what types of data were you manipulating by hand or aggregating by hand that... <laughs> So I had a really fancy detailed spreadsheet and I would work with my office manager and I would get a printout for the month of December by customer, the sales dollars, gross revenue for that customer. And I would put them in the spreadsheet. And if they already weren't in the spreadsheet, then they were a new customer. And I identified them that way. And then those, all the new customers were put in the spreadsheet. And then I counted up all the new customers, divided it by the total number of customers. And that gave me the percentage of new customers. It also gave me a percentage of revenue of new customers. And that generally was pretty small because it's their first orders. And then I did a, I would highlight the cells. If I called them, the cell became green until I called them 
or reach them. It was yellow. It, little ways that you can do that. But I think some of the reporting and paperless would automate what we've done and maybe put it into a spreadsheet format where you could flip it over a lot faster and not require two people doing. What really gets me is when you know all that information existed already and we had to print it out and then verbally communicate it. It was it was faster with two people and then type it all in again. And hopefully I didn't make a typo. So what we want to do with paperless is connect that to the spreadsheets. And maybe it's an exporting of a text file or a CSV file that we can import into a spreadsheet and manipulate more quickly. Yeah. And well, that's what customers are going that route with paperless. So in in our reporting tool, you can basically build out queries that that output a table format. If the query is set up accordingly, you can represent a bar graph or a pie chart, things of that nature, or mm. you can explain table in a CSV format, like you said, and, and download that and then manipulate it however you'd like in Excel. But that that's still labor at the end of the day, downloading it, you got to manipulate it. So mm -hmm. what I try to do is steer shops to a, a report that can be maintained fully in, into paperless parts. So that like means that. there's no wrangling, there's no updating, there's no you know out-of-date data. Everything's just kind of live funneling through your dashboards as quotes mm -hmm. coming in, you know, your quote numbers ticking up as orders are being placed, your revenues ticking up. And you can kind of host these things too and in like different time series views. So you mentioned you're taking this data at the end of every month and then tacking it into a spreadsheet. So now you probably have a year to date review of monthly metrics, Correct. right? Yep. So you would have your monthly view where it's what's going on this month and you'd have your you know yearly view, what's going on this year. And then maybe you have an all time view where you've been in business for four years on paperless parts. You want to see how a customer's grown throughout that four year period. Yep. We can I like it that really easily. And that's, that's quite frankly, one of my favorite things to do a cool, you mentioned the first customer thing. And I think a lot of people are, you know, that's no secret that when you have a new customer, you want to take care of them, treat them well, follow up, make sure they have what they need, et cetera. But recently set a shop up with a dashboard that what it does is you know, if they've sent a quote to a buyer that has never purchased placed an order with them hmm. will list all of these outstanding quotes to new buyers on a dashboard. So, and someone's job is to go follow up on those quotes. So they're chasing them down. So rather than seeing a list of every quote and having to figure out which ones and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. And then it's, oh, you know, Jay Jacobs hasn't placed an order with us. Let's click on him and then let's see what's outstanding or what, you know, what we haven't won with him yet and follow up on. Would it. you also be able to, on this report, show the number of quotes that they have received so far? So what I'm thinking is you got somebody who's spinning your wheels. You've quoted them 10 times. They never placed an order. You get them on the phone. You say, hey, if I don't get an order on this one, I'm sorry, but I would love to do business with you. But quoting costs money and I can't afford to quote you anymore because you're not giving me any business. One that I've got in my back pocket, this dashboard that I've probably set a couple dozen shops up with is it's the account name, you know, the buyer name. How many quote mm -hmm. items have I sent them? How many order items have I sent them? 
what did what was the maximum revenue of the quotes I sent them and how much did they actually order with me? So what you know, what's my win rate look like within that account and mm -hmm. what's the volume look like over time? So that's a great way to figure out if someone's spinning your wheels as you put it. So you just take the list sort of descending and the bottom of the pack. If you're sending them tons of items and they haven't ordered anything, it's probably time to either and that's super important too, because the way that I saw a lot of shops is they would always the sort of they would attack quotes in the chronological order that they came in. So the oldest quotes were the ones that they were working on. And you may get a inquiry from somebody who 99% of the time they place an order with you, but it's going to take, I don't know, let's say you're at two days to turn around quotes. Do you really want to treat your customer the same way as somebody who gives you 5% of the line items that you quote? Yeah, that that's exactly it. And I think, you know, that that's why people are asking for this type of, of data and that's usually what I pitch to them when I too, if they're not asking for saying you should be doing this, like you, you know, or I'll notice it in their account. I'll say, Hey, what, what happened here? You've quoted these guys, you know, 50 parts in the last year. What no orders, what's going on. Have any of the shops asked you for data, which they're using for planning for 2023 and what sort of reports might, might they use that are templates and paperless? I mean, the, the list, the list is endless. I think everybody has, you know, their own unique thing or question that, that they're trying to figure out, but some of the top repeat requests would be, I want to, I want to pull my material costs for, you know, X period of time. I want to know what mm. I quote material, what materials I quoted and at what price and at what volume, you know, how much aluminum did I ship last year? How much steel did I ship last year? And I don't know if that's in the vein of, you know, equipment or personnel decisions or simply like purchasing decisions. If they're trying to negotiate terms with a material provider, or they're trying to understand, you know, what, what they're quoting well or not quoting well, or something like that. I don't often, I don't dig in too much and I should more on what people are are using data for, but a lot of the shops that I work with frequently, they hit they hit me up and give very specific, you know, I want to see this, this, and this. And nine times out of 10, we can set that up very easy and paperless. And then hmm. they go off and, and do their thing with it. But a lot of reporting around material, a cool one that I set up recently was work center based. So, you know, you have work centers, you quote via those work centers, you know, you assign a work center to a quote or a part. People want to know how much total time did I, you know, quote and win through a work center, total dollars, whatever it might be. And that's probably for some form of planning or retrospecting. Like, do we need to get another mill or do we need to sell this vertical thing, whatever it is, like the, the yeah. work center might be. So that people ask for all sorts of stuff. Recently worked with a shop that had a, they have an internal sales team and then they have kind of like a sales group that they work with. Mm -hmm. And what we did was, so the sales group is, I don't know if they're commissioned or or what, but it's an outside party that kind of facilitates jobs with buyers and then the shop runs those jobs. Um, so we had set up dashboards for the internal sales team and for the external sales team. So the CEO of that shop could compare apples to oranges and see what percent of his business is coming from that external sales group or lead group, whatever it is, and what percent of business is coming for from his internal 
relationships. And for a sales manager, you can slice and dice and do reporting on individual salespeople if there's a salesperson assigned to an account, right? Exactly. And that's how we that's how we set up the dashboards. Certain individuals were a part of internal or third party team, if you will, and then others were on the internal team. So we just set up dashboards, filtered down to those individuals. But if you want to set a quota for your sales team, you can and and you know that your win rate is 30%, you gotta be quoting essentially three times as much as you want to win. And, and yeah, so those are great metrics. And I love that too because when I was talking about putting all this stuff into spreadsheets, it was definitely looking in the rearview mirror. But with the dashboards, essentially, your your data is so current. You can show me the last week. You could show me the last five days. It's however, again, you want to slice and dice it. And depending on how your shop runs, you may it may be really important to understand on a trailing five-day average what what they're doing. One of our larger customers does daily reporting. So they've got, you know, we call it a daily dashboard or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wake up at 4 a.m., zeros across the board. And as the day goes on and the team's quoting and orders are getting placed, that dashboard starts to populate. And then kind of on the sidebar of that are their average daily averages. So so-and-so can sit there and, and monitor kind of what's going on or if, if there's a backlog of quotes building up I think they've got, you know, resources that they can pull in to help with that in mm. on turnaround time. So someone on their team, let's call it the admin, has this screen up, a new quote comes in, it's going to funnel on this dashboard and say, you know, quote 100 for this account, unassigned, you know, no estimator assigned yet. And then he goes in, boom, assigns an estimator and he's mm-hmm. watching. So it's, you know, how many quote items are in draft? How many did we send out today? Um, how many did we win What's the order value? And I find that one real cool. And they use it to drive how they assign out their work to the estimating team. And they can even see the backlog at each estimator. So they know Joe's got six quotes and sitting in draft to work on, but Bill's only got three. So we can, let's assign this one to Bill. And by looking at that every day, you subconsciously pick up the trends and you, I think, have a better you have a quantified pulse on your shop as opposed to that intuition only. And I think intuition backed up by data is the best possible. What other sort of things are people asking you about in thinking about 2023? Marketing services. I think people want to market the business more. They want to get new business in the door and they ask when they- us. Well, yeah, when they talk about marketing services, what what in their mind is marketing services? Well, I guess they don't use the services where they just ask us about marketing and we have a marketing okay. service department. So I'm, that's why I say <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Um, but I, I, I didn't know if there's, if somebody, a shop comes to you and, just, and says, Jeff, we really haven't marketed our shop before. Does, do, they, do they ask, is this something you can help me with? Do they ask for resources in general about, because job shop marketing is a lot different than other types of marketing. The the mechanics may be the same, but the nuances and how you approach it. I, I'm 
trying to get my arms around yeah. are these shops that that have done marketing or they say you know what we we're convinced we're we're leaving opportunities on the table that you know, I don't know maybe there's a big OEM mile down the street who've got a big contract and we never saw anything because they didn't know about us yeah I'd say it's more the latter you know let's call a spade a spade here some job shops are not the most tech forward and probably don't have the the best whizzing marketing function right at, le- at least tech on the technical side well it's shops uh, typically the shop is an embodiment if you will of the owner and if they don't have a tech background those things are not easily understood and are easy to put on the back burner because you could focus your time on areas where you know you can make an impact. But probably at some point, because marketing is so tech driven these days that you say, all right, I'm not a tech person, but I'm using technology. Let me ask my trusted technology partners how I go about this. Exactly. And and no shade to, to the the antiquated shop either. There probably wasn't as much of a need for marketing and, you know, LinkedIn and all that type of stuff. Just a few years ago, the buyers changed, obviously times have changed and kind of, this is where everyone's going. So you're kind of forced to follow suit. And I think that's kind of where these discussions are rooted is people have the idea that everybody else is doing it. We need to know more and who, you know, who doesn't want to grow their business too. So despite me calling shops antiquated, apologies for anyone listening. I do know that they are always striving to to grow the business. So I think that's where the discussion comes from. Or someone says, we haven't been seeing as much work. And maybe I'll pop the question, what are you doing for marketing? We also have our smart RFQ portal. So I can tell how many requests a shop is getting through their website versus you know automated through their website from a buyer. And we can actually even see how that buyer found the website. So we can oh, really? get a little bit of insight into- what, when you, what, do you, what do you mean by that? All right. So you're a buyer, buyer. you're you're coming to my shop's website and I have the paperless parts portal for you to submit a quote to me on there. And one of the fields is a quick, how did you hear about us? And buyers are filling that out. They say a friend at Google, I, I can pull people do fill that out. Yeah. And you can actually report on that in your paperless parts analytics. How did you, you could have a, how did you hear about us? Mm. Yep. Interesting. that, That type of, you know, sometimes I'll prompt the discussion if I see that so or notice, hey, you haven't been getting requests through your website. Is that something you're pushing or not? So, and people drilling say, well, into this, drilling into this a little more. What percentage of paperless customers have implemented that into their websites? Do you think twenty to thirty percent? I can tell you, there's there's a decent amount of submissions coming through that form on a daily basis across our customers. So, so that was my, that's my next question. If you do put that on your website, are there, do I'll say the vast majority have people using it or is it something that sits there and it looks nice, but customers never use? I understand the question here. I think the answer is people who put it up there get good traffic through it, but I, it's not a cause and effect situation. I think that people who put it up there have a higher likelihood that they're having customers go to their website. Are they, getting back to marketing, are they 
actively telling their customer base is an easier way to send an RFQ to us. And all you have to do is go to our website. So it's that I, hand in hand, the customer may stumble upon it, but more likely they're being told about it and encouraged to use it. Yep. People are throwing it in anytime I, I get someone set up with it. I say, put this thing in your email signature, you know, click here to request a quote and someone will click it and request a quote from you next time. Oh. You get that email. So, all right, this is why we're having this podcast, Jeff. So say every salesperson for a shop should have a click here to send a quote, something in their email signature, a way to make it super easy for the buyer to start the process with you. You can even embed an image in your email signature and then hyperlink you can embed a button, click, you know, RFQ yeah, yeah. button, just like the same one you have on your website, and then hyperlink yeah. that. And everybody's familiar; they know that button if they're coming to you. What sort of investment does a shop have to make to put this on their website, into their website, and then maybe embed it into their email signature? One, if you if you're a paperless parts customer, it's a zero dollar investment. If you want to do it in the most bare how long bone. how long does how long does it take though? I'm a shop owner. I don't have a lot of time. Once you're logged into your website, if you don't have a guy, I'll help you do it in about 15 minutes. If you have a guy, he'll do it in about five minutes. So it's literally okay. a, we give you the you know, chunk of code and you paste it on your site, and voila, you've got a beautiful form that communicates with your your paperless instance. So what I'm hearing and trying to reinforce is there's no reason not to do this. And this is one of these, yes, you can go out and buy Google AdWords and you can do SEO, search engine optimization, pay for that. There's all these marketing things you probably should do, but here is, this is marketing and this is free if you are a paperless parts customer. Yeah. The way I would describe this is you're not going to sell any lemonade if you don't set up the table and, and put the sign out. So that's all you got to do here is set up the table, put the sign out, and you know you can make some sales at a pretty low effort. So, And by the way, we haven't talked about what the benefit is to the shop besides getting hopefully more RFQs is that when a customer fills out the form, it automatically populates a new RFQ in the paperless software. So you don't get an email and have to take all the information in the email and manually input it into paperless parts to create a new RFQ. It's done for you. So you eliminate that time and you eliminate that error because you are going to transpose numbers and, and yep. I mean, all sorts of let's things. take it a step further. You also get a, a, a nice email acknowledgement sent out to the buyer. You don't have to send that yourself. So we just wait, talked wait, about wait, wait, the buyer nicely. Wait, stop, Jeff. What are you talking about? What do you mean you get a nice email acknowledgement? So you as a buyer, you come to my website and you fill out this portal. You know, you, you submit your quote and you get a nice email kind of kicked back to you that says, here's all the info you just gave me, you know, an acknowledgement that says, thank you for your mm -hmm. request. Here's all the details you just sent us. Someone from the team will be, you know, following up shortly, that type of thing. And I'm sure these are the emails that estimators are sending back, you know, when they receive one, the old fashioned way to their email, if you will. So they're writing that up by hand, so, sending it back. Yeah. So, okay. This is awesome. And I'm sure this is customizable. 
what you're doing is telling the buyer that his otherwise he's sending an email and and if you don't send out a quote acknowledgement it's a black hole am i gonna get a quote back or not are they working on it yeah and it's all automated i love it and i don't know who's worried about security nowadays but there's also there's also the secure aspect of it too and i'm joking because i know everybody's hyper concerned with security lately yeah but this thing's fully secure you're not putting any classified files in an email that's insecure. You're not putting your company or your team at risk of making a mistake in that sense. And it's ITAR compliant. Buyer drops in on your website. This part, it's uploaded directly to Amazon government cloud servers right away. There's no email. There's no lapse in security. It's fully secure. This is awesome. What other requests, comments, thoughts are customers sharing with you as they're entering 2023? What are they thinking about? What's what's on their mind? So for, for 2023 planning, we talked a bit about reporting and maybe some thoughts as a result of that reporting. Do I need marketing? Do I need you know to, to steer my estimating team a different direction? Do we need to get new equipment? But people are also inquiring about IT systems. So they're Thinking forward to 2023, they're saying, you know, I've got to do something here. My business is growing, and particularly in this case, our smaller shops that have grown with us are starting to adopt ERP systems or even change ERP systems to something better or, or robust, whatever the, the situation might be. But hearing a lot of that, you know, what do you guys recommend for ERP systems? You know, what are your shops using? Do you have any case studies we can look at? Anybody that you can set us up with for a phone call that's similar to us? These are the things shops are asking. And every shop I've dealt with at least is highly, you know, relying on their their peers' words. So they want to know what other people are doing. They want to know Right. They want to see that other people are trusting an ERP system or a software company and, and who doesn't. So we get a lot of that and definitely increasing in, in, in volume lately. What are some reasons a shop who already has an ERP system is asking you questions? Obviously, they're not satisfied. What What sort of things make them not satisfied and potentially looking for another solution? Usually it'll be limitations. So it'll be limitations in the way that they're able to estimate in their ERP systems. It'll be limitations in the way they're able to connect that ERP system, whether it be to another software via integration, whether it be to a new facility that you know they're purchasing. How does that new facility fit in with the ERP system and how that's structured? It might be because the vendor was you know, not a great business partner. And that if that's the case, usually one of those other three things are true too. But you know, there are a variety of reasons a company would would leave a software company. Maybe it's budgetary, <clears throat> but I tend to think that it's usually an advancement decision. We want something better. Are you seeing people who are using desktop ERP systems? I'm trying to think of the best way to frame it, but on premise, right? On on premise, yeah. But there's a lot of overhead. You, you you talked about they're they're looking at IT systems and all. When you are in a cloud-based system, there's so much less IT involved as opposed to an on-premise software. And on-premise, you think about it, if you still are using Microsoft Office, Excel, Word, 
if you are downloading software and it's running on your computer, I have to say Office 365, even though I hate paying an annual cost to use it, it works so much better. And I have to suck it up and, and sort of ignore it. But the cloud-based stuff works so much better. And one of the reasons it works better is that you can, as a manufacturer of the software, you can continually update it, fix bugs and all that. And you're fixing it in the cloud and the user gets to experience all the enhancements throughout the year, as opposed to when you used to get, let's, I'll go back to, you know, the CDs where you would be loading them once a year or, but even now you, you know, you, you get an official release that comes out and now you have to call your IT guy, whether he's internal or external and have him loaded on every computer and you can't use that computer while it's happening. So maybe you got to get him to do it in the heat. It's, it's a hassle. So I can imagine ERP systems. There's so many more advantages to the cloud and, Again, a long way of saying, are you hearing that? Are you hearing people who are frustrated with on-premise and saying, what are what cloud software is out there for ERP? 100%. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that. So if you'd asked me, you know, what types of things do I think about when I'm thinking about recommending an ERP system, it would cloud-based and on-prem would be one of them. But funny enough, like I didn't mention this, one of the reasons that I, I see some shops evaluating a new ERP system is because the ERP company has... I don't know if the right term is sunsetted, but they've kind of put a pause on their on-premise version and they've now got a cloud version that they're starting to push and steer their customers towards. So mm. people are wanting to kind of get ahead of that halt, if you will, where I don't know if you've been a part of a software sunset before, but do you know? You know? Well, we, we sunsetted ourselves because we customized the software so much that we didn't dare put the latest and greatest in because we figured it was going to break everything that we'd done. Yeah. So people are trying to get ahead of that. And usually when that's happening, it's an on-premise system that is, is done. I don't know if there are any new on-premise so, systems. Coming out. So the, if somebody has an on-premise they're rather than automatically grading to the cloud version, they are saying, well, if I'm going to make a change, I might as well see what else is out there. And Maybe they're happy with their ERP software. Maybe, you know, unfortunately, ERP yeah. has a bad name in a lot of instances because they didn't take care of their customers. And somebody may be not happy and, and willing to, to look. So you've opened the door to opening them to other competitors. Yeah, or people, they just don't know, you know, they want to make sure that whatever that changes to is fine with how it's going to work with paperless. Cause I think they get pretty attached to what they have with us and they want to make sure that if we change ERP systems or there's an update with our ERP that we're still able to use paperless in the way that we do with that system. And, and typically that's kind of where. Well, you know, that's a really important point is the, the digital world here, this technology world, there's so many opportunities when it's interconnected. And if you have a, whether it's ERP or, or other type of software, but if a company doesn't play nice with other software, they try to have their own sandbox and they don't want to let people in and they really don't want to push their information out. And essentially, they're a digital island. And I think that 
that, that, that day is over. And if you've got a supplier like that, even though there may be some pain in ripping them out, it's you, you got to say goodbye because digital islands will hold you back. Digital island. That's a, that's a Jay Jacobs coins term right there. Digital island. I like that. Well, um, what I what I like to I've never shared that with you. I don't think so. All right. So I look at the parts manufacturing industry is full of digital islands. And some of them you have to get in the equivalent of a boat and carry that data over back and forth. Sometimes the digital islands, you can build a bridge and it may be a rickety bridge, but it gets data back and forth. And then other islands, and I think paperless falls in this category, we'll put a eight lane bridge to whatever other digital island you have, if they're willing to accommodate an eight lane bridge. We want data to flow freely back and forth. And I think there's there's so many good tools in parts manufacturing, but the data becomes an island and it's not accessible to all the other parts of the company and, and the other digital islands that are out there. And the sooner we as an industry can integrate these digital islands, the more efficient we will be and the better we will be for our customers. And, and we'll probably, as owners, make more money because if you think about, you know, stand back, look at your shop and how much time and effort is spent recreating things. Whereas if you, if it flowed freely between the office and the floor and all the different systems to think about all the times that you or anyone in the organization is manually writing something down, whether on a whiteboard, on a piece of paper, and then it gets re-entered into a system or maybe re-entered into more than one system. It should never happen like that. It should be entered once digitally and it should be available in any system there where you want to push it to within the organization. So that's that's my soapbox on, on digital islands. And it's one of the things I know that Jason Ray and I are, we are adamant that we want to, we, we think connectivity is, is so important. And that's a backbone, a foundation of how paperless is built. Yeah. And for anyone listening, Jay just in a really long way said that paperless parts has a really good and robust API and the best ERP <laughs> systems also have that. <laughs> An API is essentially a bridge. Yes. Application programming interface. I think we use that acronym once in another podcast. I didn't even know what it stood for, but I do now. And it's used to basically pull data out of one system and plug it into another and vice versa. So if you are using paperless parts, you're using our API daily. And if, if you've got an integration, that's kind of the, the piping in which we pass data to and from. Yeah. And ERP systems, you certainly, if you quote in one system, whether it's paperless or a spreadsheet or whatever, you don't want to, when you get an order, re-enter 
any information that you've already entered. You want that to flow and there's no reason it shouldn't, you know, it's one of the, your customer enters it for you. If you, if you're using paper, let's say, then that's even better. (laughs) That's even better. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons at rapid, why we developed the software. We, we had the instant quoting tool is because then the customer was responsible for any data input errors. If he ordered the wrong part, picked the wrong finish, the wrong quantity, that was on him, not us. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's another good point too. And I, I actually haven't put that in my tool belt of talk tracks on why people should use the paperless part smart RFQ, but that that's one of them. Well, Jeff, we've meandered around a bunch of things of thinking about 2023. We had planned to talk about Chat GPT, the new AI tool that came out in, I don't know if it was late November, early December, but anyways, we are going to definitely do a episode on that. I do want to leave the listener with a seasonal data trend that I observed over the years. And what I always saw that the first week or two in January were really slow. And I figured the product designers, everybody's coming back, the customers planning for 20 23. And it took them a while to get going for the gears to get moving. And I didn't worry. I anticipated it was going to be slow. And I used that time in early January to work on other things that I knew I wouldn't once the year got busy. And then it starts to pick up a little, typically this second week in February, and this is more the prototype world than the production world, but typically the second week in February, all of a sudden it's just starts ranking and we were buried with RFQs for about three weeks and that loaded up March with production and, and that bled into April as well, depending how strong the incoming order flow was. So if you're thinking about Q1, you're worrying, I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but if you're worrying, it's a little slow as yeah, you know, you've been doing this for years. January is a slower month. And the time to worry is if you don't see the RFQs picking up by the third week in February, then something's different. But otherwise, look at your project list, do some training for your team. and Check out your paperless parts analytics. <laughs> add some reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Build some reports. Get Get the RFQ form into your website. Those are the types of things that will incrementally make a difference and there's never time to do them except January is a great time. So some good thoughts today, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for the call, Jay. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you've got, you know, reporting or planning needs and you want to look at some data with me, if you're listening, give me a shout and we will set up some time and we'll take a look. All right. Well, I wish you and your family an incredible year. And again, it was so cool seeing the office. Uh, this, I'm, I'm pumped. I, th- I think manufacturing is going to be on fire in 2023. The recession, maybe, but manufacturing is not going to slow down. Awesome. Until next time, okay. keep those lasers cutting and those spindles turning. Have an awesome day, week, month, year. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to the Job Shop Show.